Well, happy Father's Day to all the men here. It's an exciting day as we just get to reflect on a couple different things. One, for us who have our hopes set in Christ that we are children of a heavenly Father who loves us dearly, but also of the blessing that God has given to us as fathers of our children, entrusting us to their souls, that we might be an example and a reflection of who God is to us towards our children. Well, we are going to be moving ahead, just in the spirit of Father's Day, to Ephesians chapter 6, rather than carry on in Ephesians chapter 4. I believe it's still in the spirit of exposition because we have not diverged from the book. So we'll be in Ephesians chapter 6, looking at 1 through 4. Before I get into the message today, however, I just wanted to mention a couple things uh, from the prior message. One, I feel as though I failed in a certain aspect uh, when I got to verse, I believe it was 14, talking about cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. I had mentioned a few platforms in which this happens, and I had also mentioned a few groups of people in which facilitate uh, specific teachings. I just generally touched on the prosperity gospel and the word of faith movement without going into detail. So I would just like to extend the offer to you. If you want to speak with me, if you heard that message and you have questions and you would like to speak with me at the close of the service, or if you would like to set up a time to just personally talk about those things, I would love to get together with you and discuss those things further in just the spirit of love. The second thing is, um, when I was preaching... Building up to my point in 13 and 14, I was touching on previous verses just generally to get some background, educationally, I guess you could say. And when I got to verse 11, I talked about the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And as I was ministering through this, when I got to verse 11, I started talking about the apostles and prophets that laid the foundation. The apostles and prophets did, in fact, lay the foundation, but there's one area that I would like to correct. I had mentioned that the prophets mentioned here were most likely the prophets from the Old Testament. But contextually in studying this, this is post-ascension. So this is after Jesus Christ ascended that he gave specific gifts to men. So I want to correct that and say that it would be best interpreted as the prophets that were gifted with the gift of prophecy in the New Testament in this context. And it might seem like a little thing, but I am devoted to, stand being, to standing before you guys and preaching the full counsel and the truth of the Word of God. And if there is anything that ever comes up, even small, that I feel was an error, I will bring it before you in correction. But my prayer is that through the Spirit of God, even something as small as this will not happen in the future. Well, let's move forward to our text this morning, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Before we get into it, we'll go to the Father in prayer. Father, we are just exceedingly grateful for all the many blessings that there are in being a Christian. The spiritual blessings in Christ, the adoption as children, the love and grace bestowed on us every single day. Your glory is seen in our lives by your grace. Even the sunshine of this day and you keeping the rains back that we could gather together outside to love you and to worship you and to hear your word. Father, I pray in the name of Christ this morning that as I speak on the topic of children and fathers, that we would be encouraged, that you'd give me a mouth to speak in love and in truth, 
and all of us ears to hear and eyes to see that we might be edified and strengthened by the truth of your word. Be among us this morning in power, work in our hearts, our minds, and our lives to your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let's just read the text. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The title of my sermon is Children and Fathers because this is exactly how the text just organically breaks down. The first three verses are children, and the last is fathers. Well, in thinking about this text, I was brought back to being a child, and I think many of you can probably relate to a similar story of when your father would tell you not to touch the hot stove. They would tell you over and over, don't put your hand on that son or daughter, because if you do, it's going to hurt. And so we listen to him for the time being, and then we go our way, and then another opportunity avails itself, and we go to touch, and we hear again, son or daughter, do not touch that because you're going to hurt yourself. And then perhaps it's the third time we walk past it and we see that glowing coil and we just feel like maybe they're holding something back from us that's good. And we just got to figure this thing out for ourselves. And so we go to touch it and we don't hear that voice call out to us again. So we go through with it and put our hand on that burning coil and we quickly realize we should have listened all along. The searing pain that goes through your hand, down your arm, is a quick reminder that when your parents give you instruction, it's for your own good. I've been there. Well, let's just look at the first verse. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We're going to break this down into four parts. First thing I want to point out is children. Now, in a general sense, it's referring to children. In a greater sense, it's referring to everybody because we're all a child of somebody. Children, obey your parents. Oftentimes when we hear something like this, our mind is so inclined to go to that what-if question. We look for the exception rather than the rule. Well, what if our parents tell us to do something that's wrong? What if our parents tell us to do something that's illegal, immoral, or unethical? It's kind of like Romans, right? We get to the part where we hear the preacher saying, we need to obey our government. And then we're like, yeah, but what if our government does this or our government does that? Well, that's why we're going to look at the next portion. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That answers the question right there. Do we obey those who would lead us in a way that's illegal, unethical, or immoral, uh, that's wrong? No, we don't obey those things. We obey those things that pertain to righteousness. We obey those things that pertain to life and godliness. We obey these instructions because these instructions are good for our soul. These instructions lead us in the right path. The passage goes on to say, for this is right. This is through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. There's a command, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then the reality behind that command, for this 
is right. This is the right thing to do. This is what must be done. And we see in our lives, and I've seen personally in mine, what it looks like when a child raised in the Lord does not obey the teaching of the parents. Oftentimes, these are the people that we visit in jail through jail ministry. These are the people I minister to at the Rockford Rescue Mission and share the gospel with because they have diverged from the truth of God's word. Now, to be sure, not all of them were raised in the Lord, but some were. And I just think that in light of honoring our parents, seeing that there's a command, seeing that there's a promise, and being told that this is right, it is an eye-opener. I want us to look back at the Old Testament at two individuals, Solomon and Rehoboam. And we're going to draw a concept from this. I mean, this, this whole passage here, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, is pulled from the Old Testament. So I think going back and getting some greater context and just building a foundation upon that will be, will be beneficial. So we're going to go back to Proverbs to begin with. We're going to look at Solomon. Proverbs chapter 1, 1 through 8. And we're going to read through a few Proverbs. We're only going to touch on them lightly. I'm not going to stay parked here. It's all just to build up to a point. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, and righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear my son, your father's instruction. And forsake not your mother's teaching. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your father and your mother. This is right. Proverbs chapter 2, 1 through 5. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight, and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Proverbs chapter 3, 1 through 6. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you'll find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Proverbs chapter 4, 1 through 4. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. 
Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words and keep my commandments and live. Proverbs chapter 5, my son. Proverbs chapter 6, my son. Proverbs chapter 7, my son. Keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. I want you to think about this for a minute. Here's the wisest man to have ever lived, the Bible says, save Christ alone. The wisest man. We call the Psalmonic literature wisdom literature. Very wise man. Teaching his son. Crying out to his son. My son. My son. My son. My son. Listen to me. Listen to my commandments. Keep my commandments and live. Bind them around your neck. There was a sense of fervency, a sense of zeal, a sense of seriousness. We read Proverbs and we see such power, not just for being right with God or, or, or to live the right life before God, but even in the Christian life, we go back to Proverbs, we can pull from that. Understanding that we're not under the law, but, but these ideas of holy living and, and being attentive to the word of God. And yet we see... Solomon's son, Rehoboam, there was a divergence from the path. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. What does it look like when you don't? Well, it's wrong. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 12. 2 Chronicles chapter 12, starting in verse 1. When the rule of Rehoboam was established and he was strong, he abandoned the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. In the fifth year of King Rehoboam, because they had been unfaithful to the Lord, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem with 1,200 chariots and 60,000 horsemen. And the people were without number who came with him from Egypt, Libyans, Sukim, and Ethiopians. And he took the fortified cities of Judah and came as far as Jerusalem. Then Shemaiah, the prophet, came to Rehoboam and to the princes of Judah, who had gathered at Jerusalem because of Shishak, and said to them, Thus says the Lord, You abandoned me, so I have abandoned you. To the hand of Shishak. It's a very sobering picture of what it looks like to diverge from the godly, righteous, holy, loving instruction of your parents. 
the scripture admonishes us, obey your parents for this is right. And there's a promise that comes along with it. Well, let's look at verse two. Honor your father and your mother. You're going to see how these two verses are connected in a moment. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Well, this comes from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. It's the fifth commandment. I call it the top five of the top ten of all the commandments written. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. You know, it's interesting. We can break the Ten Commandments down into two parts, the first five and the second five. A lot of theologians have tied this into Jesus' two greatest commandments in the Gospels. When he was asked what the greatest commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love him with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and your body. With all your being really is what Jesus is getting at. With everything within you, you, you love and, and serve God. And he says the second is like it. Shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting because when we think of it like that, you shall love the Lord your God. And we look at the first five commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. Don't make idols. And I misuse the name of God. Keep the Sabbath holy. Honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother is right up there with the first five in which we honor God. Then we have the last five that show an honoring towards our neighbor, those in the world that we dwell with. Do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie, bear false witness, and do not covet. So this made the top five list. This was a very serious thing to the Lord, and we're going to see why in a moment. But it says, honor your father and your mother. How do we honor our father and our mother? Verse 1, obey. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is all of us, church, not just the little ones that we have among us. This is all of us. Everyone who would seek to lead us and guide us in the instruction of the Lord. And even in a more general sense, those who haven't, but they raised us. They loved us, most of us. But it's by obedience, church. Obedience to the family, obedience to the parents. That's how we honor. Disobedience would bring shame upon the family. And we can see that practically lived out now when we have a wayward child and their sins become known. It can bring shame. But even just going back to the Old Testament, this had huge ramifications. We look at the Hebrew culture. The father was the head in a very profound way. They took the role very seriously because the father was entrusted with teaching the family, teaching the children, meditating on the word of God every day and not letting the book of the law depart from them, from their hearts or from their mouths. They were to teach it, encourage it. But oftentimes what would happen is you'd have an individual in the family For whatever reason, either the father wasn't teaching it correctly or he was, and the child diverges from the truth. And they began to, as the scriptures say, rise up and play, and they eat and drink, and they're merry, and they have no concern for the things of God. And so they would bring reproach upon the family. 
The father was deemed as an insufficient leader in the home. He was deemed as somebody who was not able to carry out the tasks and which were prescribed in the Hebrew law. Then they were shunned. And because they were shunned, shame and reproach was brought upon the head of the home rather than honor. And oftentimes it wouldn't end with just the home. It would extend to a greater degree over time to the tribe. And that's why the command stands, honor your father and your mother, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Again, Proverbs 10.1 said, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. This uh, idea of dishonor runs very deep. When we think about cultures even now, not just the Hebrew culture, if you look at the Middle East, you can even beyond the Middle East, honor is a huge thing. We don't think about that as much in the West, but to some cultures, honor meant everything. People would die for their honor. I've heard a saying in the military, death before dishonor. It's this idea of we're not going to be dishonored. We're going to stand for honor. We're going to be honored, and we're going to do what's honorable, and anything other than that is unacceptable. Scripture says this is the first commandment with a promise. Honor your father and mother in the Lord, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And again, this is what Proverbs 3, 1 through 2 said. So if honor is what brings life, living long in the land, then dishonor would be not honoring Christ's teaching or not honoring the Old Testament law for the Old Testament Hebrews. But notice what the promise is, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. When this pattern of dishonor would begin to happen in the family, when the children would dishonor the father and the mother and carry on in disobedience and waywardness, they would be an influence to other people. Over time, there was a pulling in the affections of the hearts of the Israelites. Then there would be a generational process in which there was a falling away from the living God. And then they would be cut off from the land of the living and displaced from their land. This is why when the fifth commandment says this is the first commandment with a promise, it's referring to the fact that disobedience will lead to death and displacement from the promised land. When Israel did what was right in the sight of God, No foreign enemy could put them to flight. No one would be able to take them captive and bring them exile because God was with them in a mighty way on their behalf. But when they dishonored God and after the prophets came and spoke into their lives and called them back to repentance and called them to a place of serving the Lord, they would disobey, disregard. Then they would be killed, some of them. Others led away to foreign lands. But this isn't just an Old Testament concept. Paul's mentioning it here in Ephesians chapter 6. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Yes, there's a promise of living long, a general promise of living long in the land. And really, this is looking forward to a future promise. Just as the Hebrews of old were looking forward to a future Israel or a new Jerusalem. 
As we see in Hebrews chapter 11, those who were of faith weren't just looking for the land of Canaan. That was a representation of a future promise that was to come. This is a heavenly dwelling. But we see this in the New Testament where there is a command to honor and that the promise still holds true. So what is this promise referring to now? Well, practically, what we see today is that those who live in sin oftentimes are cut off from the land of the living. And not necessarily in the sense that we think God is taking his hand down because someone's in a season of sin and smashing them. He is a loving, kind, and gentle father. But oftentimes people's own sin is the avenue to their own destruction. I've witnessed many people's lives be cut short, people that I've formerly associated with, people close to us in our family. How does this happen? A child is raised in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And instead of the child honoring the parents, they go off and they start hanging out with certain individuals who pull them a certain direction, who teach them a different worldview. They start drinking. They get involved in drunkenness and parties and they decide to go out, get in a vehicle, drive down the road, and then they wrap their car around a telephone pole. I've had friends that have done this and their life is cut short from their disobedience. They, they are cut off from the land of the living. Or a family member of Ashley and I who got involved in drugs and thought that they could play with it for a season and they would be okay until they OD'd one night and died and were cut off from the land of the living. Or stories I've heard of people in my immediate family who have hung out with individuals in bars and have witnessed people get punched in the head, fall down, crack their head, and die because they're hanging out in the wrong area. Violence, drunkenness, drugs, these things can cut somebody's life short in a very real way. The sin in and of itself. Then there's the sexually immoral. Those who want to dabble in immorality and they think it's okay and fun for a season until they test positive for HIV. And then it becomes real to them. And depending on how well their body is able to fight it off or whatever they may have contracted, they're cut off from the land of the living. And oftentimes, not only are they cut off from the land of the living in, in, in an earthly perspective or from an early, earthly sense, but their sin led them down a path where then they are also cut off from the land of the living eternally. The scripture stands, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you. And that you may live long in the land. Well, now there's a shift in focus in Paul's letter in the sixth chapter. The first focus was on the children, honoring and obeying the parents. And now the focus is on the fathers. Listen to what it says. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke. This, this word here in the Greek is perogizo. And it literally means to rouse to wrath or to rouse to anger. To exasperate. What might this look like? How might this happen 
in the Christian family. I think if we're going to look at this, we need to understand how these things can, can be and to be cautious of these things, that we might show love to those in our care, the love that God the Father has shown to us. Well, oftentimes, a father can be too harsh. He can come down with a really heavy hand. Johnny, why did you do that? How many times do I got to tell you, boy? Giving him a smack on the head. Why do you always make the same mistakes? When are you going to learn? Have I not taught you in God's word that this is the way you're supposed to live? And the child feels no sense of grace, no sense of compassion. The child becomes angry at the very word of God because of the way that the word of God is being displayed to the father. Then you have some fathers who struggle with showing love or affection to some degree or another to the family, to the children. They're just shallow. They know the word of God. Their theology is sound and they, they teach them, they disciple them, but the children never really feel a sense of love or compassion from the father. And so they grow to resent that and, and they don't realize it, but then they begin to resent the idea of God, the father. I've heard stories of things like this where people have said, you know, I, I don't trust a heavenly father because I know what my earthly father was like. Because they've never tasted and seen that the Lord was good. They've only felt the weight of a harsh father. Sometimes it's that we give our children little time. There's a lack of time or devotion in the home. And there's really two groups of people that got to be very careful with this. It can happen to anybody, but predominantly two different groups of people. One, first one is ministers. The second one are those who are really devoted to their jobs or their jobs are very demanding for their time. Let's look at the first one, ministers. Oftentimes what happens is a minister gets pulled in to servitude. It's a joyous calling. It's a high calling. They love it. They're excited and they, and they just, they just want to serve the saints. They just want to love on people. They get involved in in uh, you know, Sunday morning preaching, or maybe they get involved in, in Bible studies, they get involved in the youth group, or whatever it may be. They're pulled here, they're pulled there. And the children start to feel like, man, dad loves all these other people that he serves and ministers to more than us. He doesn't have time for us. He ministers to the adults, he ministers to the youth. And where's he in our life? So they begin to grow angry and resentful. Or the father who has a job that's really demanding and demanding of his time, demanding of his energy, and he's so drained that when he comes home, he just puts on the ball game. Or on the weekends, he's drawn away into other activities that don't involve the family. And what happens is the children take note of this. You know, it's funny how children, um, how they... How they are very real. Like when they say things, if a child says it, you, you better believe that it's true. You know, adults can say things and they can be mean or, or they might not know the full, the full scoop of the story. But when your child tells you something, listen. Because they're around you the most and they're going to be real. They're not going to sugarcoat it. But these are ways in which we can bring our children to a place of anger, provoke our children to wrath. On the contrary, the scripture says, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction. Lord, don't, don't provoke them. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. This is what they call a truism. This is a true statement, but it isn't always the case. Sometimes parents will bring their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord only to have them bring reproach upon the family at some time. Now, this can happen for multiple different reasons, and it can happen to multiple different types of people. I had mentioned earlier that sometimes when this happened with the Israelites, it was because the father wasn't doing their job or they were just lacking in their devotion. But other times the father was doing their job and this still happened. The child would be pulled off into another direction, living wayward. And I just want to encourage you parents out there, if you're in that position right now, don't blame yourself. If you know that in love and compassion, you've instructed your children and you're one of those people right now who are watching your child go wayward, don't allow the lies of Satan to infiltrate your soul. Sometimes these things happen. Continue to be steadfast in prayer. God is a faithful father. There's been many stories of children coming back through love and Devotion of a parent who prays fervently. But sometimes it is because the training and the discipline was hypocritical. And so the child walks away from the faith. I want to go back to Solomon and Rehoboam. I want to point out some truths about this situation. Solomon was the wisest man to have ever lived. Giving practical insight into holy living, devotion to the Word, devotion to God the Father, he was lacking one thing, a life that lived it. If we know anything about Solomon other than the fact that he was wise, we know this. He lived in luxury. He had many wives, many concubines, and his heart whored after other gods. He planted vineyards. He lived in luxury. He had much, and his affections were pulled away from the things of God. Now, he spoke the truth. Rehoboam heard it. Rehoboam was raised in it, instructed in it. But when he examined it, what he saw was a Solomon who didn't live what he preached. Now, sure, at the end, we see in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, all is vanity. It's a, he, he figured it out. He knew, maybe a little too late. And he ends the book with this, the end of all things, is this fear God and keep his commandments. That's true. But Solomon, what did you pour into Rehoboam? How did Rehoboam see you live? Could it be that you're the reason that God had to say, Rehoboam, you have abandoned me, so I have abandoned you. It's very weighty, very serious, very thought-provoking. And I think it just stirs us and encourages us to really examine the way in which we child-rear. The way in which we minister to those around us, the children around us that God the Father has entrusted to us to love these children with true love, to bring them up in love as we bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord.
And now I would just like to admonish the young adults, the youth, the children here. Listen to your parents, please. Listen to your parents. Many of you do not realize how good you have it. I love my parents, and I don't blame them at all. We come from generations of God- godlessness. They didn't, to one extent, they didn't know to do any better. I think about my dad's dad, my dad's dad's dad, and, and myself. All of us had an idea of what it was to be a man, what it was to navigate through this life, and it didn't look anything like it does in Scripture. Because of that, I have a train wreck of a past. A train wreck. There are things from my past that are my thorn in the flesh. The demon that, that comes like, like with Paul to, to harass him. The thorn in the flesh sent to buffet him. When I think about my past, I mean, that's what, that's what my past is to me. The thorn in my side sent to buffet me to keep me humble even now. Because I have a train wreck of a past. I wasn't raised in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. My dad wasn't raised in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. His dad wasn't raised in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So I want you to contemplate how good you really have it and encourage you to listen. Listen, don't make the mistakes I made because I have hurt that I have to contend with to this very day. Now I have, I have 100% confidence that when I pass from this life to eternity through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, I will spend eternity with God the Father in newness of life eternally. But that doesn't take away my memory. That doesn't take away what I've done. That doesn't take away the shame. That doesn't take away the tears, the pain, the hurt, the disgust over a former life lived in evil and vileness apart from God. You have an opportunity not to have a past marred with the same mistakes. If you would Obey your parents in the Lord, understanding that this is right. Now, some of you are going to say, you know what? But my parents are hypocrites. Whether they are or aren't for your sake, believe what they told you. They've told you about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They told you about heaven and hell. They told you about the eternal blessing of faith. God the Father sent his son to the earth to live a perfect, sinless life. He died on the cross. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of your sins that if you would believe in him and repent of your sins, you will be saved. And that is the blessing that we share as a church family here today, that we have a heavenly father. We have put our trust in him. He loves us with love everlasting, love eternal. Don't depart from the teaching of your parents. Honor your father and your mother and believe the gospel today. Well, in closing, I want to read to you all a letter from a son to his father. And as I do, I want you all to think about where your child or children might be so inclined to write about you given the opportunity. The letter reads, My dear father, the one who bears up his son, Your love for me is never failing. Your kindness reaches to the heavens. 
When I think of your instruction, it is wonderful to my soul. It gives life to my being. From my youth, you beckoned me to holiness, yet endured with my failures, were patient in my shortcomings. And though I caused much distress and grievance to you continually, you always sought my welfare. Your love has never departed from me, nor has the thought of it crossed your mind. You have trained me in godliness and my hands for war. Your words have sunk deep into my soul. Your teachings sustain my life. They keep my path straight and my way secure. My father, when I wander, you are faithful to lead me back with gentle voice. When I stumble, you give me your shoulder to lean on. Oh, who is like you, Father, wise and loving? To you do I give gratitude and thanks. Yes, to you, my kind and gentle Father. Let us go to the Lord in prayer this morning as we contemplate these things. Father, you have given a holy command, a holy decree through your word honor. Children, honor your father and your mother. And there is indeed a promise, Lord, a promise that if we obey the truth of your word, the truth of your teaching, that we will live long in the land, maybe not here, but eternally in the land of the living, in the presence of your joy, in the presence of your glory. I pray, Lord, that none here today would be left without a heavenly Father. None here today. Everybody whose ears my voice falls upon now, I plead the blood of Christ over their life unto salvation. I pray that they would believe the blessing of Jesus Christ as laid out in your word. And I pray that as parents, you would touch our hearts and our minds to lead our children with love, devotion, and integrity, that they would see Christ in us, have a glimpse of the Heavenly Father in our lives, and hunger and thirst after the blessing that that brings. Dismiss us with your blessing this morning, we pray, Father, in Christ's name. Amen.